This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. This is the Red Bull Rant podcast. If you aren't expecting adult language, why even bother listening? Welcome, my friends, to the show never ends. This is the Red Bull Rant Podcast, the official Red Bull Podcast of SB Nation and What's a Metro. I'm your host, Jason Ipico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman, and this is episode 209. Wrap up. Wrap up. Wrapping it up. Putting a bow on and getting out of here. Yeah, you don't want to get STDs if someone pregnant, so you should wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah, well. So it's been about uh, four weeks, three, four weeks since our last... Uh, episode happy whatever thanksgiving yeah happy thanksgiving sure. happy Klinsman firing yeah <laughs> happy whatever holiday you're celebrating in december because there's a lot of them um so we're we have two guests for you guys tonight or today whatever you're listening to this thing uh firstly matt doyle of mlssoccer.com the second will be dave martinez of empiresoccer.com uh but first though we are going to go over our season likes and dislikes. Yay. Because you, we didn't get enough likes and dislikes in games alone. We have to do it for the season. So, last like and dislike for 2016. I will let Truman go first. What did you dislike the most about this season? Well, duh. I think it's pretty obvious that, <laughs> yet again, just more playoff disappointment, just more lack of goal scoring. You know, the what really hurts is you look at the two games played between Montreal and Toronto, it's so exciting, tons of goals, and we sit here with idiots with a team that could barely score a goal a game, or or not even score in a, you know a goal in a game. That's really the part that hurts. Is just you see all these other good games going on, and we just sit here with nothing, absolutely nothing. Not playing in a cup again, not scoring, just sitting around like idiots. So clearly, that is my big dislike. Yeah, I mean, uh, what else can you really dislike about this season? Obviously, it's the, you know, they, they went to the uh, playoffs hot. I mean, so many pundits were picking them as the team to go take it all, being uh, the hottest team going into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, they just laid a big uh, fat egg. Um, you know, Bradley Ray Phillips just went cold at the worst possible time. And, uh, and so here we are doing our, you know, season wrap-up show when the MLS Cup Final hasn't been played yet. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's really any other big thing to dislike other than that. It, it's kind of I just thought of this. It's kind of funny. Pecky's first two seasons, he wins the Shield, bounces out in the first round, doesn't win the Shield, makes it to the conference finals. First two seasons for Marsh... Wins the shield, makes the conference finals, doesn't win the shield, and then gets best in the first round. Sometimes it's not all coaching. Nope. And it's just funny how it's sort of opposite and how the playoffs worked out. Um, uh, playoff disappointments aside, uh, I would probably say my biggest dislike is the losing streak we started the year off with. Because if we had maybe let's let's say we won another two out of those six games we lost to start the season with, or something like that. How much we would have been really close to at least a supporter shield, which would have changed absolutely nothing. No, but at least it would have been another trophy. <laughs> sure, I mean, that, yeah, so, I mean, that. 
or at the, or the fact that in past I'm not gonna like this one that we didn't win U.S. Open Cup. Which, Who whatever. fucking cares? <laughs> I would like a trophy. That's all. Yeah, we got one. We I mean, did not this, this year, year but. <laughs> well, hey, at least we advanced to the the uh, quarter. Or was it the quarterfinals of uh, CCL? Quarterfinals. Yep. So hey, at least there's that, right? And qualified for CCL next year. Save that for the likes. Yeah, I know, but JJ just blew up my shit. <laughs> All right, so we'll go with the likes. Um, Pat, do you want to go, or should I go? Might, might as well. So this is pretty much, you know, I think in the end, uh, you know, as disappointing as the season was, there was there definitely was a lot to like. I mean, they, the team, they're, they're considering how the team started the season, they had absolutely no business winning the Eastern Conference when you come right down to it. Uh, considering how many games that they kind of blew in the last minute, they had no business, you know, just in terms of wins and the coming draws, they really had no business of uh, winning these conference finals. So, Eastern Conference. So, uh, I mean, you know, taking that into account, I think that is something that at least, you know, can be, fans can be a little bit proud of and the fact that that Eastern Conference regular season win does qualify them next year for CCL and the fact that they will be in the CCL quarterfinals. We don't have to wait till March to watch uh, soccer. We'll be able to watch some in February, which is kind of nice and I hope uh, most of us do decide to brave the elements and uh, go out and watch some February soccer. I I watch XFL games in February. It's do <laughs> it's doable. So um, that's real man right there. Yeah. XFL talk. XFL, but uh, you know, so that, that's that's the plus. I mean, I guess you just in the end. I mean, the the big worry does going with CCL going forward is BWP uh, starts slowly, so you're gonna kind of have to wonder where the I mean, while Vancouver will certainly be in its same preseason form, uh, you just kind of got to hope that, you know, they can get some goals on the board and uh, not come out completely flat. Yeah, again, I mean, there's a lot to like with, you know, they did win the Eastern Conference. They do qualify again. They're in the quarterfinals. <clears throat> it was a fun season. You know, it, you know, the only thing that's upsetting is that you have to wait for next season to start. It's just, you know, that's it's that big playoff disappointment that we're used to at this point. But let me say, I cannot go a show and talk about liking things if we're not going to talk about 7 nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to drive that home for a decade or so. Um, w- what a day. What a, f- what a day of laughing at Blue Team. Oh, yeah. And the best part is that we win seven nothing, and their final images of this season is getting smacked around like a punk um, by Toronto. So we gave it to them first, and then uh, they they go out with a, uh, I mean, not even a whimper, not even a whimper, a muted whimper in the playoffs. Um, how about Brother Phillips with another golden boot? There you yeah, go. he didn't get to twenty seven, but again. Second time in three years, right? Second yep. in three years that he yep. won the Golden Boot. Um, I, I, I asked this question seriously because I've honestly not paid attention a lot to MLS since the season ended for Red Bulls. They announced the postseason awards yet, or is that like coming nope. between? Okay. He's a, he's at least a candidate, right, for MVP? Yeah, him and uh, Question are in the final three. Where uh, have which, you been? Are you which, in a you know, weird time warp or something? Uh, there's this thing called work and... Get out of your bubble, liberal. And video games I want to play. Wait, I'm talking about work and you call it. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where do you work, Jay? 
<laughs> not, not going there. He works at a, ba- a vegan bakery. Leave him alone. He works at a vegan bakery. It's uh, totally LGBT friendly. You know. <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, no. I I've been working, and then when I haven't been working, I've been playing a bunch of Rocket League and FIFA, in which honestly I haven't been playing as Red Bulls. I've been playing the story mode. So there you go. I actually, I honestly haven't been paying much attention to almost everything on the internet, which is kind of hard to, be, un, to, to believe, right? Very. The internet got depressing last month. I understand turning it off. Uh, I kind of avoided that shit before that ever happened. So, <laughs> no, I just honestly, like, there doesn't hold, like, once the Red Bulls are lost, I didn't care at all about MLS. I was out. So, I just didn't know what was going on. Um, so... So so honestly, who's the other finalist for MVP? Oh my God, Sasha Villa. I, 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 I told you, I I already knew. I already didn't know this. So people, if so you hit that unsubscribe button, I understand. It's, it's yeah. so I, I, I so I guess the question is, does Via win because yes, Phillips and Question split the vote. Yes, which it's, is ridiculous, but yes, but it's it's what's going to happen. I think we've yeah, all accepted that at this point. Yeah. I mean, so we'll just do one of those things. We'll look at the percentage and just say, hey, we got the bigger percentage. Yay. We'll spin it, baby. We will spin it. Political humor. <laughs> right. You know, speaking of blue team, uh, Frankie Lampard finally did die of dysentery. He did. He did. He's gone. He's gone. It's been Bradley Ray Phillips, please stay because all the other Englishmen are uh, getting out of town. Yeah. He floated across the Hudson and his uh, his wagon tipped over. Yep. All right. So there it is. All right. Uh, so before we move on to talk to our guests, real quick, uh, there is some player movement to talk about. Uh, four player options have been picked up for 2017. Uh, those are Sean Davis, Chris Duvall, Justin Bielu, and Bradley Phillips. Sean Davis, man, championship next year. Seriously. Shots of question. Better watch out because uh, Davis is going to take the job. Shots anyway. of question. You get fired, Sean Davis. Um, and then options that weren't picked up were Colin Bermet and Ronald Zubar. Zubar had some tweet uh, yesterday about getting back, so he may not be officially gone. Just one of those, we're going to release you to renegotiate your contract type deals, which I sort of understand and I don't necessarily agree with, but, it, you know, we need people. Um, so real quick, what are your guys' thoughts? Good moves, bad moves? I know with the expansion drafts coming up that, we're not going to see the end of players leaving the team. So, where's we for now? Where's Salzizo in this expansion up? Is he still on a roster? Can he go away? He technically <laughs> is on the roster if his option wasn't picked up. And I'm, okay. pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that there hasn't been any other announcements aside from that in terms of players leaving. So, if he leaves or Duval leaves, I'm not exactly crying. <laughs> I, I will feel okay about either or. So here's a question: it's, Since we brought it up, does Verones is actually are DPs covered? In this expansion draft, automatically? More than likely. All right, never mind. So that's a moot point, then. I was going to ask if he gets protected, but if they're automatic... No, no expansion team is picking up... Would pick up a DP player anyway. I mean, that would make no sense. Which is why he would do it, right? <laughs> Put him off balance to begin with. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so... guess that's it for the first part of the show. Anything else you guys want to talk about real quick? Or do you want to... Are you guys good? We can take a break. Wait for uh, our guests. Yeah, we can take a break before we uh, just, you know, season-long dumping ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back. 
Welcome back to Rebel Rant. We want to welcome on to the show today uh, returning guest. Uh, everybody knows him as the MLS analyst. We know him as Matt Doyle. Matt, welcome back to the show. Good to be back on. I expected a little more pomp and a little more energy from you. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. It's It's been a few weeks since we did a show, so we're kind of in, in, in sort of post-preseason mode, I guess is the way to say it. <laughs> Plus, I took the intro. If I let Truman do it, I'm pretty sure it would have been much better. <laughs> I know. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, maybe maybe that's what I deserve after the kind of a shocker of a year I've had. So, <laughs> there you go. so let's let's we're going to work our way backwards, and we'll just take a couple minutes to talk about last night's game. As much as I don't want to talk about Toronto, um, would you say a good game or god awful defending by Montreal? Uh, I mean, it could be both, right? Um, I think that. I think that there's a habitual thing that we have in American soccer to look at something really good uh, that that happens in uh, an MLS game or a U.S. national team game and frame it as, oh, the defender screwed up. Um, whereas if we saw a similar goal in uh, La Liga or, or even like Liga MX, we'd be like, oh, this is brilliant movement, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and I just, I'm, I'm tired of that. So freaking tired of it uh i think we can we can say look montreal had to do better on on some of those uh, set pieces especially uh but one of the reasons they were were scrambling so much and not doing so well is because uh the guys that toronto put out there uh really did a hell of a job and uh i i think that we can apply that um better as sort of a soccer culture uh moving forward guess what this league's actually pretty freaking good now, uh, and I think that's what we've seen over the past month and a half or so. Somebody who will remain nameless, because uh, we were we were talking about Josie on Twitter, and they said um, MLS does not respect defending, which yeah. I told I called them out. Now, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, who I, I, I'm not sure that I understand the the context or the actual point. Well, what is- because uh, we were talking about how well Josie's been playing this year when he's healthy, and the person pretty much said that, well, he's playing well because MLS doesn't really play defense. Yeah, I don't... I don't, I don't think I agree with that. Okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not crazy then. No, no, you're not crazy then. I mean, it's... it's Look, every, every part of MLS needs to improve. Um, that is a fact. But we've seen this... Uh, year after year after year uh, that teams that play ultra-defensively um, end up getting found out in the in the playoffs. Um, I don't think that means that MLS doesn't respect defenders. I think it means that we've got a lot of attacking players who can figure some stuff out, uh, both from open play and on set pieces. Uh, though I understand their skepticism, uh, you know, so be it. Uh, I, I thought Montreal's defense uh, was pretty respectable in the uh, in the defeat in New York. Um, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, I, yeah, I think that um, like I, I understand skepticism, and I'm a natural born skeptic, but I I'm not a big fan of it when it spills over and becomes cynicism. All right, so I'm going to – now I want to work back to the playoff format. Um, 
which I'm sure there's a lot of fans of not just the Red Bulls, but a lot of teams, how no one really had a home field advantage in the in the early uh, two-leg round except for Colorado, and that was just barely because they wanted penalty kicks. Yeah. Could you see a possibility of maybe not those semifinals changing, but possibly just the Eastern and Western Conference finals changing back to a one-game format? I mean, it, everything is possible. This is MLS. Uh, but given the the ratings are better for the postseason and the, uh, I think, attendances have been better, if anything, they'll uh, increase the number of games, not decrease. Uh, so I, I would, I, I, I'm like I, I'm not in love with this uh, this playoff format. I understand that that is one of the big knocks is, is the the problems that uh, the problems maybe that that home teams have had. Um, but I don't think going back to a single game is is on the table. I, I just think that there's there's money involved. Period. Uh, that's usually the answer. Um, so let, let's kind of shift focus to the Red Bulls now. Um, Red Bulls, you know, started the year not very well. I think it was one uh, winning out of seven games to start the season. And then at some point during the summer, they started a, uh, I think it was a 16-game unbeaten run in league play and then add another few games in for, um, you know, CCL and all that. And then, of course, dropped in the playoffs like we all complained about a few weeks ago. Uh, and what what can you kind of point to as maybe I, I don't want to say the reason because I know it's not just more than one reason, but like is it that like MLS figured out the Red Bulls or the Red Bulls just seemed off this year? Like what what can you kind of point to with the team that maybe showed that they weren't ready for the playoffs this year? I don't think there was anything that pointed towards it. I, I thought they were. I, I mean, look, the only reason you guys didn't repeat as um, supporter Shield champs is is because Cali Chom's a butcher. You know, if if, if Dax is out there, uh, I, I think you hold on to at least two or three, you know, of those leads that that you guys blew in in August and in September, and that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the playoffs itself, like I thought, I, I mean, honestly, I thought that the Red Bulls came out and played front foot soccer, they played the type of soccer that uh, has brought them, I think, a lot of success under Jesse Marsh uh, and I think the only difference was that they didn't they didn't finish their chances, you know, and, and that was, it was reminiscent it was Bradley Wright Phillips in November was the same disappointing Bradley Wright Phillips that existed in March and the first half of April I, I, there is no rhyme or reason, as far as I can tell, for why the the you know the guy who scored twenty four goals or whatever it was disappeared. But that's just the way it goes sometimes with strikers, you know. Um, I mean, look at Carlos Ruiz, right? In two thousand two playoffs, he scored eight goals in like six games. Uh, in his career, after that, he never scored more than two goals in a single postseason. Never again. Uh, and he'd been on some pretty good teams. So it's... I, I don't know why strikers go hot when they do. I don't know if, if certain guys are just wired differently. Um, uh, and I... I didn't exactly see it coming 
with uh, with New York, but I, I think that the worst thing a team can do in this situation is to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, obviously, it would have helped to have a guy like a bong around because uh, Montreal are so damn weak in the air, and you, you could have maybe brought him on at the end of you know the first leg, and certainly with like a half hour to go in the second leg. Um, but that's a that's a all right. Bring this guy back, or bring someone like him in personnel edition. I don't think you go with a drastic stylistic overhaul at this point um, because you had bad luck in front of goal for two straight games. Well, here was my big issue. Uh, we talked about it before the playoffs started. We talked about it after the playoffs started, and you saw in last year's playoffs with the Red Bulls, there is there's been no serious second scoring threat once Bradley Wright Phillips can't score. So it's either him or hoping maybe a Lloyd Sam from last year. Um, unfortunately, Daniel Royer was hurt, so he didn't really get to integrate back into the team for the playoffs as much. But that person just does not exist on this team. And when guys can clog up one forwards uh, lanes, this team just seems to die. I, I, I think... I think that's maybe a little unfair because Mike Grella and Daniel Royer were hurt. Um, and I think that if those guys are at 100%, both of them look the part, and I think Grella for long stretches has been uh, a really viable second scoring option. Um, and, and the other thing is that you know they have tried to address this via big money signings. Um, Gonzalo Verón mostly hasn't worked out. It's, I mean, it's just a fact at this point, 18 months into it. Uh, as good as he has looked, he, he, the, the final product isn't there. Uh, and Abong, after, I think, uh, a really promising start to his Red Bulls career, just hasn't, he hasn't developed. Um, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, but, but I think you can, again, this is a, a baby with the bathwater moment, like, you, you can definitely feel some frustration that there wasn't a second guy to to come in and pick up for you know for the the, the bad finishing frankly that that Bradley Wright Phillips uh, was putting out there um, and, and I don't blame you for being frustrated at that but injuries happen and uh, I, I think the guys who could have done that spent the you know the 180 minutes you guys played. Uh, being hurt, and, and that might have been the difference. Right, and um, uh, unfortunately this is the second year in a row where they uh, they just don't score in the playoffs. We saw last year when they beat DC, they scored all of two goals. Right. And they scored all of one goal against Columbus, so it just kind of carried over. Now, maybe the answer next year, a very young Brandon Allen. I, I mean, I didn't see enough of him to to really say... Uh, the you know the four or five games that I watched, I liked him a lot, um, but I do wonder if he has the physical characteristics in terms of creating separation uh, with that first touch, and then you know having the agility to uh, to take a touch and finish. We, we've seen guys. Uh, Devin Sandoval is a good example. Devin Sandoval is a brilliant soccer player. Uh, he thinks the game at a really high level. He actually has pretty soft feet, but his agility, his balance, aren't where they need to be. And so Devin Sandoval 
a couple of years ago was good for, you know, six or seven goals per game or goals per year. But then as the league, I think, has gotten a little bit better and a little more sophisticated over the last two years, he became a replacement level player just because he lacked that physicality. I worry about that with Brandon Allen. <clears throat> that said, if you look at his productivity with the Red Bulls too, I think that he clearly deserves a good long look in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, in the preseason. And, you know, maybe he's Patrick Mullins. You know, maybe he, maybe he can long term, uh, be what, something like what, uh, Alan Gordon has become, uh, and do it on a shorter timeline. And that's the type of thing that the powers that be have to figure out. Hey, I'll take a John Wolniak at this point, just saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a good one as well. I think, I think Wally was, I mean, a much faster player just in terms of straight line speed. Um, but there's definitely some talent there with Allen. I just, I, I want to see how he does against the Walker Zimmermans of the world or the Steve Birnbaums of the world, uh, you know, or the Yellow Van Dams of the world in terms of creating enough separation to finish and be goal dangerous. Because if you look at what happened in the playoffs, it was that little bit of separation that, I think Montreal was so good at taking away. So a lot has happened in the uh, U.S. soccer world since uh, we last recorded and, well, definitely since we last talked to you. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann lost his job. Everybody seemed to be feel real good about it. Bruce Marina got hired. People seemed a little iffy about it. And then we all kind of remembered we're down two losses already in this uh, in this hexagonal what does Bruce Arena need to do, especially without, at the moment, January friendlies to prepare? What does he have to do to get this team running out of the gate come March? Well, there are definitely going to be a couple of January friendlies. The, yeah. the teams and the dates aren't announced yet, but you know this is Bruce. He he's not gonna he's not gonna pass up a, a chance to to get the team out there, and he's certainly not going to go into March cold with a you know brand new eleven who's never played together. And I honestly I think it's it's just a matter of actually being prepared and then actually putting your guys in good spots. Um which Jurgen Klinsmann did neither of those things in his five and a half years uh of being a national team coach. There's still always a chance that you can lose, um, no matter how good you are. But if you give me a, a team with Jose Altador, Bobby Wood, Christian Pulisic and Fabian Johnson in an attack with maybe Sasha Kleshton and, and Michael Bradley in central midfield. I, like That's a team that'll figure out how to play together. That's a team that'll figure out how to score goals. Uh, and, and that's a team that I think Bruce like he'll take the Hippocratic Oath. He'll do the whole first do no harm thing. Uh, and if that's what the U.S. are putting out there uh, I, I, think, I think we'll be in pretty good shape. So I, I think that's it. I think simplify, you know, make it clear that Everybody in the locker room is on the same page uh, and, and create those partnerships and that trust that Klinsman eroded over the course of five and a half years. So a player that I know a lot of Rebel fans like to see on uh, the United States national team is Sasha Kleschen. He uh, appeared for the last two games if United <laughs> in the last round and then was on the bench for the first two games of the Hex. Do you see Kleshin getting a bigger role in the squad now that um, Bruce Arena is going to be in charge? 100%. Uh, I think, I mean, Bruce tried like hell to acquire him before the, the 2015 season. Uh, and 
he said in his uh, in his interview the other day with Extra Time Radio, and I'm going to plug my podcast that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> it's on MLSsoccer.com. It's actually uh, you could download it, or you can listen on Stitcher, or uh, you can actually watch it. But uh, my colleagues Andrew Weeby and, and uh, David Gass. Uh, they sat down with Bruce and they had a half hour interview with him. Uh, and then there was an extra interview afterwards uh, from a, a press availability where Bruce talked about, we need to have a guy in midfield who's a number 10. We need to have a guy in midfield who can be a better passer than what we've had in central midfield before, who can unlock a, a defense, who could do all these things. And he basically was describing what Sasha Kleshman does for the Red Bulls. The question I would have is usage, right? Question plays underneath Wright Phillips as like a true number 10 with two attacking wingers. I don't think Bruce is going to use that 4-2-3-1 or the 4-3-3. I think he's much more likely to play a 4-4-2 with Josie out the door uh, and Bobby Wood up top. That means Question will be a little bit more recessed um, and have, I think, more responsibilities in terms of possession and in terms of initiating attacks from deep than what he has with the Red Bulls. It's more similar, I think, or it's kind of a cross between the, the role he has now and the role he had uh, with Anderlecht in Belgium. I think Cushion will be great at that. Uh, I think it's how he should have been used for most of the, pla- the past you know, half decade, if not longer, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. There is an inherent risk, though. Uh, Bradley and Question have really great chemistry and they move the ball well, but neither of them are gazelles out there. Uh, neither of them cover a lot of ground defensively. So I think if it doesn't work, um, that is that would be my where my money would be as, as to what goes wrong with it. But absolutely, Sasha Question uh, is going to be playing m- many more minutes and more high leverage minutes under Arena than he did under. Uh, I just uh, I guess uh, one more Red Bull player that I think because I've seen his name come up in a couple people suggesting with the uh, uh, announcement of Arena's name uh, Dax McCarty you think he might make his long awaited return and maybe be a uh, late career player much like uh, Kyle Beckerman uh, did at that defensive midfield spot for the national team yeah I, I think so I, I think if any rational human being looks at the uh, the US player pool uh, and looks, you know, looks at that number six position. You see Michael Bradley, um, and then you see probably Perry Kitchen and and Dax McCarty. Uh, and no offense to Will Trapp, who I think is a wonderful passer of the ball, but he just lacks so much in terms of uh, being a defensive presence that I'm, I'm not sure you can uh, you can play him there without sort of a guard dog. So I, 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 I mean, God, what I. I I would, I, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to put Dax on the field against Honduras or Panama in those, frankly, what are must-win games uh, in March. That doesn't mean I think he'll start. That doesn't mean I think he should start. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see it as a major mistake uh, at all if if Bruce decided that that Dax had to be in the first 11 for those games. Uh, I, I think there's a decent chance that he is this cycle's Kyle Beckerman. 
All right. Uh, I'm leaving you guys speechless, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, right. Wait, hold on. Before you wrap up, um, oh, so I, I just want to mention that I have the uh, the NFL game on mute, and I just had to look over, mm-hmm. and they're doing the all the fans are doing the Iceland slow clap. So we're, we're spreading everything around. The NFL <laughs> is stealing from us. Well, I mean, can we can we give credit where it's due? I mean, that's from Aberdeen, right? Yeah. That's it started in in Scotland, not Iceland. Well, Iceland, I would say, would you say popularized it in the Euros? Well, yeah, for and sure. But I, I I'm reluctant to uh, to go away from the originators. <laughs> you know. You mean it didn't start in Seattle, the birthplace of soccer? Uh, uh, they invented MLS Cup. <laughs> quick, uh, just before we wrap up, quick prediction. Do you think Seattle can win a game in Toronto? I do. I do. I, I think Toronto is... Uh, uh, Toronto should be the favorites, though. Um, and, I mean, the the big things to look at, uh, to me, over the next you know eight days are, are the injuries. Um, Jovinko was not himself last night. Uh, Ozzy Alonso had to be subbed off with, a, I think, a knee sprain is what they're calling it. Uh, Eric Freeberg and Brad Evans didn't play. Jordan Morris has a like a hamstring knock that obviously didn't, you know, didn't slow him down too much, but it's significant. Uh, like that's a it's a lot of guys on the you know walking wounded list. So uh, I, I think that health will play a big factor. Uh, I think. Josie Altador and, and Nicholas Ladero will be big factors, uh, and I think it should be a really good game, provided it's not like four degrees, which it could end up being, uh, because it's Toronto in December. Come on, Jay, take it home. This is your sorry. Job, this you, is all you. Sorry, I thought you were going to come take in. Take it home. All right, uh, so we do have to get out of here, but um, Matt, as always, we're going to allow you know we always allow our guests to chance to. Uh, make their presence known online. So where can people find you in your writing? At MLS Analyst you could, is where I'm at most of the time on Twitter. Uh, and then, of course, I write the Armchair Analyst column for MLSsoccer.com. I'm on Extra Time Radio on MLSsoccer.com. I have some uh, video series now on MLSsoccer.com because people just love my face. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly there. You can find me there. German, you got anything else? Nope, I'm staying muted nope. so I don't make all the staticky noises for you guys. <laughs> that hopefully won't come through with anything. That's right. All right. Uh, well, Matt, thank you for taking time out to come on our show today. Uh, we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Uh, we are here now with our second guest from the Empire Sacker, the editor, editor-in-chief there, creator, uh, god, whatever you want to call it, uh, Dave Martinez. Dave, welcome yeah. to the show. What's you up, guys? You know, know, I just... Wait, I'm the second guest. Who's first? <laughs> That's Matt the first. Matt guy. <laughs> but I, I just realized why Pat wanted to introduce you. He has to go back to sucking up to you. That's yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Pat, can that be? <laughs> Pat, I got plenty of work for you, Pat. Let's talk after the show. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I'm pretty sure he can use whatever Matt Doyle said to make a post, so there you go. 
There you go. So there you go. 20, 2016 Red Bull season, uh, big disappointment in the fact that, again, out in the playoffs this time to the Montreal Impact, um, guaranteeing in this case that a Canadian team was going to make an MLS Cup final for the first time ever. Um, before you get into like kind of specifics, what are your general thoughts on uh, 2016 for the Red Bulls? I think it's a, uh, it's a better indication or a better look into what this Jesse Marsh, Curtis Ali era is looking like. And, and what to what it can be expected. And the first year one was uh, was dynamic. I mean, year one was tremendous to see that type of football played uh, in, in Major League Soccer by this team. Uh, people seem to forget that uh, for 18, 19 years of the franchise's existence, people were clamoring for that you know high press, high energy, high octane, high offense type style. Everybody promised it. Hans Baca, Juan Carlos Osorio. Uh, Mike Petke, the list goes on and on, but Jesse Marsh delivered it. In 2016, he he refined it a bit more. And what what I think we come out of this season learning is that the high press system, at least this is my takeaway, and you know, I, what the hell do I know? But the high press system to me is a great system for the regular season. It chokes teams out on a week to week basis, but over the course of two games with so much on the line and such a, a, a large variable for mistakes because of the high-press system, and in essence, it leaves you a bit exposed in the back, I think that makes the Red Bulls more tentative in the playoffs. So for the structure of Major League Soccer, perhaps not the greatest uh, system to carry throughout the competition. I think that's my biggest takeaway. The, the Jesse Marsh system, the high-press, awesome all year long, but come the playoffs, Two years in a row, we, we see the uh, the jinx in the armor. So what do you do? Because obviously the, the team is not going to give up a system even in the playoffs. But how do you make an adjustment? Because I think the adjustment needs to be made to start the playoffs, not when you're already down a goal. Now, unfortunately, you know, I, I have to beat myself up here a little bit. Throughout the, throughout the uh, middle to end of the season, I always wanted to ask Jesse, um, if he purposely started looking at five in the back in preparation for the playoffs, because that was always my guess. I mean, anybody that knows me or the way I look at Major League Soccer uh, knows that I look at the regular season for the most part as a, as a nice, long preseason <laughs> right into May. From May into the summer, you're still tinkering with the lineup, but come September and October, you're firing, you're firing all cylinders. Jesse, was, Jesse Marsh was tinkering with the lineup, playing with that five in the back, and no one quite understood why throughout the summer months. And I truly believe that he, he was looking forward. He said, okay, and anybody would see it. This is a playoff team. This is a strong team. This is a capable team. This is a team that can make a real run. Come playoff time, how do I get this team adjusted and used to holding on to leads? So he starts looking at a different direction. Again, this is just my conjecture. And it just blew up in their face because this team knows how to play one way and one way only. Uh, the best way to address it, guys, I think, is, is to, I'm not seeing it yet, but to get a little bit more aggressive this offseason. I know they're thinking of bringing in uh, more products, which is great. It's part of their the policy under this uh, administration, but it would be nice to get some genuine veteran leadership that can uh, hold up a couple of hamstrings and play through 34 matches in a, in a leadership capacity. Do you think they look in the league or outside when it comes to like getting a veteran-type player? And, you know, to be honest, it doesn't, it doesn't truly matter so long as it fits the system. 
Uh, that's why it also surprised me in his uh, end of season presser that Jesse Marsh went ahead and, and sounded so confident with the return of Gonzalo Verón. You know, uh, he didn't seem to fit the system. And to me, he, I mean, had you asked me the day of their elimination of the playoffs, I thought those would be the day. The, the, I mean, his, I thought Gonzalo's time would be numbered. Uh, and as of the indications of the staff of the Red Bulls uh, coming out of this season, apparently not. Uh, so it's difficult to say whether you look outside or inside of Major League Soccer for answers, but look at key positions. If you can't retain Aurelian Collins, you need somebody at center back. I think the flank play left a bit to be desired. I think uh, Tamar Lawrence had a bit of a sophomore jinx type of year. Uh, on the right-hand side, Cristobal came on late, and you hope that he could do that again uh, come next season. But I, I would focus on those positions. And, guys, the other part of this going into next season is I don't expect to see all that much change. I think this third year is going to be the pinnacle of this core of players, this era of New York Red Bull players. Uh, so I don't expect to see many changes uh, come next season either. Uh, you say that, um, and they have, at least in their early offseason moves, kept the team relatively in check, but how vulnerable do you think this team is to uh, the expansion drafts with uh, two teams coming in next season? I mean, everybody's vulnerable, right? Uh, and the Red Bulls have been smart enough to put the right pieces out on the market, I think, and uh, I, you know, I, I would I would put, if the drafts and the re-entries and the expansions and all that get Red Bulls and nervous. I, I really, this is one area where I would definitely put trust in uh, in uh, Ali Curtis. So he knows exactly what players to put up. And he knows what he can lose and what he can't lose. So I, I would put a lot of confidence into what his moves would be. That's not going to be the defining moment for this team. I think that this this team going into next season is going to be defined on what their off-season decisions are going to be. Again, I stress, I really do think, in second year I'm saying it, but I really do think that they have to dip in a bit more into the free agent market and bring in some veteran players to, to help them out. If this is the last year, and this is my opinion again, but if this is the last year of this core, this era of Red Bull players, then you want to make that push to the MLS Cup. Jesse Marsh is being there in the third year, which is, I mean, almost impossible in Red Bull land. It's a blessing that he has that opportunity to carry a team to a third year. He's earned it. And it's time to take this core of players to the promised land. I mean, look, <clears throat> I would be shocked if next season you saw anybody but Felipe, McCarty, Kleschen, uh Bradley Wright, Phillips right down the gut. Uh, of the, nothing's going to change there. Uh, on the wings, you're still going to have your options. If that on his back, he'll be an option. Uh, Royer as well. Mike Grella might get picked up in the waiver draft, but does that hurt you a lot or does it not? Who knows? It's debatable. Uh, those are the chances you go into. That's why I'm saying they have to reinforce, and I don't think that this is going to be a year for making an MLS Cup run where you reinforce strictly through the academy. I was just about to ask that question, actually, because you know, with the success in USL, especially guys like Brandon Allen and uh, Derek uh, Atten, would it be possible for them, to, for Curtis to look into that player pool and, and, and not obviously, you know, pull a lot of players out, but maybe some key pieces, especially to surround Wright Phillips and give him a little bit more, um, I don't know what the right word is, like legs or power, or whatever you want to call it, but give him kind of a running partner because the beginning of last year they were trying to run out with a 4-2-2-2, we, you know, have running Wright Phillips up front. Is that something that maybe they go back to with one of the young guys like Brandon Allen, especially after the year he had in USL? 
Well, with the philosophy of the club being so youth heavy and with the budget situation being what it is year after year, I think that the obvious conclusion is that they're going to go farm as much of the USL team as possible and grab as many of their academy stand up as well. Brandon Allen, uh, I mean, we spoke about it a lot last year, uh, especially with my colleagues in the press box. But with Brandon Allen, I've always felt that he deserves at least some more time or at least more of a look on the on the senior team level. So I'm sure he'll get that uh, during the preseason. But uh, again, going back to that, if they do decide to go two up top, it would be interesting to see if they go back to the, the Veron DWP uh, combination. Or, again, if they decide to look outside of the box, if they decide to take on somebody on a permanent basis during the winter transfer window, I think that might be the best way for, for them to go. Uh, if you really look at the way things turned out at the end of the year with uh, Damari, uh, it was a chance higher, but it was a DP chance. And no matter what, you expect a designated player to, to give you something. The problem I always had with his acquisition was that it was transient. I mean, he's going to be here for a little while, move on to the next big, uh, big thing, and the Red Bulls are just going to be thankful for his contributions in the run. I think that you need to look at something a little bit more permanent next year if you're looking to uh, partner BWP with a, with a, another striker and change formation. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to address, too, is that I'm going to talk about it again. I've only talked about it 100 times. At two years in the playoffs, the goals have not appeared, and there's not been a serious second scoring threat. Guerrilla had a very, very off year. Uh, like we said, Royer got hurt. Do the Red Bulls, is that what the, is that what they do? Do they go and look for an actual secondary threat, or do they just think, hey, we have Daniel Royer, he's going to be, a, you know, finally get a full camp into the system. Uh, we're keeping Verone, and do we just ride these two guys out and see what happens? Uh, look, you go either way. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips works so well as a single striker, and the team looks so I mean, they do look excellent when they have uh, all their pieces in place in their uh, in their four two three one. You know, to have uh, to, to have Sasha Kletchen connecting right behind Bradley Wright Phillips is pretty awesome to see at times. And you're right, Mike Grella, uh, Kamar Lawrence, they they definitely had off years. That's why I'm saying come next year, and I agree with you as well on the playoff issue. They need to get some some true hands on board. Again, I like Brandon Allen a lot. I think he deserves a chance to at least try, but Again, if you're going to go with a, with a two-striker formation, acquire somebody from the outside. See who works out a bit better with uh, with Bradley Wright Phillips up top, and that should help the scoring woes. I mean, going back to your point, I don't know if anybody's really spoken about it, but uh, a Jesse Marsh-led Red Bull team in the playoffs has not scored more than one goal a game, at least from what I recall. This is just me talking here, but uh, there's a history that I remember. There hasn't it hasn't happened. Right, that, that's you're right. A serious deficiency. Yeah, that's a serious deficiency. The team needs to do something to... And first off, they can't rely on Bradley Wright Phillips like a crutch. Uh, and again, going back to Thierry Henry's words way back when, uh, <laughs> Bradley Wright Phillips breaks the MLS scoring record, and Henry's like, well, he should have had 40 more, or whatever the quote was. Uh, he's an excellent striker, but you can't depend on him constantly. He's not always lights out, or else he would be a phenomenal life unbelievable history-making, record-breaking scoring machine for MLS, which he is, but a lot more than what he currently is. What I'm saying is that he needs some help, and he's needed help for years, guys. You guys have been following this team as long as I have, and as long as Bradley Wright Phillips has been around, he has needed somebody to play off of. Verona was supposed to be the guy last year. It didn't turn out to be the case. Dip into the free agent market. 
help this core of players out because this core of players deserves a real MLS Cup run, and it has to come next year. All right, so I know we've been kind of talking a little negatively for the most part. So let's let's get this positive. Um, what is one, at least one big thing about 2016 that makes 2017 look very good for the Red Bulls left prospects? Uh, it's going to be uh, the rare occasion where for the, for the third year in a row you have consistency. I mean, these are things that we've now taken for granted, guys. Yeah, this was not necessarily the land of consistency, not the land of high-scoring football or exciting football. And for the third year in a row, you are promised to have exactly that. You're promised to have a coach that is, uh, that is all about the offense. As a fan, you can watch the games and thoroughly enjoy them because it's a beautiful style of soccer. And, again, the consistency of it all. That's why I keep on talking about that core. I wonder if this might actually turn into my narrative for next year. <laughs> it's that core of players that deserves to have that chance at the MLS Cup, and they keep on falling behind. So what you've learned over two years with Jesse Marsh is you have an awesome foundation of good academy players, longtime team veterans, and players who bought into the system. Uh, you know, Sasha Question, Dax McCarty, Felipe, Luis Robles, I mean, they truly lead the team colors. They're all about the Red Bulls, and they believe that family mantra. They've bought in with Jesse Marsh, with Ali Curtis, 1,000%. So you still, to this day, have unity from the front office on down to the bench. The problem that you have is, number one, the purse strings. They need to open up. They need to open up. The Red Bulls have to look at what they're doing and and really make a decision here. I, I make the correlation, it seems like, every freaking year. But if Barcelona is dipping into the free agent market, <laughs> into the winter transfer market to get better for the next year after winning every trophy there is, the Red Bulls should be doing the same on a much smaller level. If you think that you're a contender, start reinforcing this team because you have the pieces there, and this coming year should be the year where you make that run. So that's my positive. I think you have a great foundation. You have consistency. You have things that this franchise has always wanted. Build on it. Invest in it. See if that helps out with your attendance. See if that helps out with the results. And see if it helps you by investing in players to that next level, to that MLS Cup. I, I got two words for you. Daniel Sturridge. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Dream big, baby. Yeah, he's out there. <laughs> right, Dave, I have one more question, uh, personally. When we get to the end of 2016, a month away, January 1st, 2017, every, you look back at everything that's happened uh, this year in New York soccer, everything that might happen at the end of December, what team stands out as the Kings of New York starting in 2017? Jeez, I, I mean, how do you even look at that? If you look at the, the thing with that, it's like an MVP type question, right? You could either look at the straight results. If you look at straight results across the board, we're taking all three teams into account, and we don't talk about what's going on off the field, it's very difficult to say that on the MLS side, I think that the Red Bulls have a better chance than uh, New York City FC are in a better place than New York City FC uh, because there's going to be some serious turnover across the river. Uh, so I would say that MLS-wise, it would be them. But if you're looking at just results, I mean, it's hard not to say the Cosmos, even if they're in the NASL. And I know, damn, you know, I was hoping to go one interview today without <laughs> the, I, I'm not. We're not going to go crazy over it. 
<laughs> you guys, you guys know what I what I've been covering the last few days. Yes, the, the amount, like I mean, this interview, I swear to God, this interview was it was something that I jumped all over because, <laughs> and I looked forward to because I'm I'm so freaking sick and tired of talking about the cosmos and the NASL <laughs> and all the craziness that's been happening this week. I know I've been a big part of that narrative, but. I'm ready to take take a break and have a weekend and talk about anything else. So this was like the best, most welcome thing in my week. Thank you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as results go, they, they've always been great on results. I think that's the bridge the Red Bulls need to cross. The Red Bulls need to. It shouldn't be about supporter shields anymore. Like it, it's it's great that they've achieved that. It's time to build on it. And this has been the story since the last year of Petke, right? Yep. You want to build on the success of being at the Eastern Conference Final. You want to build on the success of being Eastern Conference champs. There's so many milestones that they've reached over the last few years. 2017 should be the crescendo. This should be it. This should be where we're, you know, you're building right to the very top. And this is where the fat lady sings, and this is where you go for that MLS Cup. That's what this year is going to be, and that's what I'm excited about. I want to see the direction of the Red Bulls. I want to see what they decide to do, how involved they'll be in the market or how not. I unfortunately don't think they'll be that involved, but that's another story. Uh, and I think that that's what's leading me to believe that you go into next year, who's the strongest going into next year? I think it's the Red Bulls. I think you have the best base, uh, the best uh, pieces to work off of, and as impressive as NYCFC was last year, uh, I think the Red Bulls are in the best position to succeed uh, for the coming season. And, and, and I'll close with this, too, is um, as much as we joke about, you know, the other teams in New York, I think we can all agree that the best thing for soccer, period, and of course the best thing for New York is to have three good teams no matter what league they're playing in. I think that's healthy for the city. I think you want to have two MLS teams and a team in the NAL cell. It's just... It's just good for soccer. We don't want to. Lo- no one wants to lose teams. We want to. We want to build soccer in this country. Period. I think that's that's true. And and the thing that all year long, I mean, whether whether you're an NASL fans or MLS fans, a lot of us who live in that that bubble of soccer, we witness it on a daily basis. The uh, the banter that goes back and forth between fans and, and leagues and everything else. But when you're talking about something existential, when you're talking about people's lives, I mean, some of the conversations I've had in reporting what's been going on uh, in Long Island, I mean, it's hard to listen to. It's hard to listen to, and as a human being, your heart really begins to, you know, to really twist for these people, man. It, it hurts. Uh, you know, that, that's the reality of the situation. You don't want to see people, especially during the holiday season, going through what the staff, what players, what you know, what all of them are going through on that side. And as soccer fans, you have to root for soccer to take root across the country, at, across all levels. It's for the betterment of the sport. You know, I, one thing that, I'm sorry to go long here, guys, but one thing that the pro Real Brigade uh, preaches, and I, I tend to buy into, is that small local communities across the country grabbing hold to local teams and loving those local teams, that is your counterweight to the establishment. That's your counterweight to the NFL, to the Major League Baseball, to, you know, the NBAs of the world. If you're able to to have these dedicated fans who truly love the sports across the country in their own small way or through the large teams at the top of the division, it doesn't matter. It's the soccer that unites us all. And that's what you want. You want people to become fans of the sport 
sport, not just of a league, but of the entire sport in this country, rooting for soccer in this country, for the growth of sport, man, that's uh, that's what it should be about. And uh, again, I really hope that everything that's happening in the second division, uh, I hope things tend to calm down and everybody will be okay and set for the holiday season. So yeah, like you said, uh, you just want people to be healthy and you want the sport of, of uh, soccer to be healthy in, in this region and across the nation, for sure. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> uh, Dave, <laughs> I, I know that people already know where to find you, but ju- just remind them, where, where can they find you on and your writing online? Sure. Uh, EmpireSoccer.com. Uh, my staff is kicking ass there. I've been doing a lot less until the off season, apparently, but... They are, they're really doing a great job there. So uh, you can follow us on Empire Soccer on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. And, uh, yeah, reach out anytime. Always willing to chat. All right. Uh, Dave, uh, once again, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us today. Uh, we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Uh, we want to thank our guests, Matt Doyle and Dave Martinez, for coming on the show today. Matt is uh, at MLSsoccer.com and Dave at EmpireSoccer.com. Uh, so now I want to talk about, uh, I think the only thing we really want to get to is a postseason award. Uh, we had originally planned on Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, and MVP. Then we realized that was stupid because two of those categories are going to be the same player anyway. So we're just doing MVP. So, Pat, we'll start with you. Who was your team MVP for 2016? Uh, I'm actually going to go with Sasha Question. Uh, you know, I think PWP obviously had a very, very fine year, but I think without Sasha Question's uh, 20 assists, you know, BWP's uh, goal, you know, tally does go down, without a doubt. I mean, I think Question really did take this team on his shoulders. Uh, he completely uh, commanded that midfield, that attacking midfield position. And uh, it went a long, a long way for this team. So uh, I'm definitely Sasha. Question would be my MVP for 2016. I'm gonna give it to Sean Davis. I'm everything the Pat just said. It's got to be Sasha. Um, you know, he he was just unbelievable this year. And again, distributing balls to to Bradley to score. Uh, I want to give a little bit of props to Dax McCarty because you saw what happened when he wasn't on the field in a few games. We were dropping two goal leads nonstop, so it kind of shows how important of a player he is. But definitely Sasha, yeah, for me, yeah, MVP. Yeah, I, we're going to go three for three on this one. It's Sasha because while, while you saw, like you said with Dax, when he was out and how the defense struggled. The offense struggled more when Kleshin wasn't available. So, um, he it, it really is kind of amazing how at, somewhere around like the middle of last year, he just turned it on and kind of became the workhorse that the team needed him to be to really power the offense. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's all I can say is without him, we went, right Phillips, I don't think would have hit 24 goals this year. So, I think, I think that's all you kind of need to know. Yep, and and it's and it's sad that he that neither player is going to probably win MVP award because they're going to split the vote. Yep. All right. Um, so usually we do a dumping ground. Um, is there anything you guys would like to talk about that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, 
I, I still feel that Seattle's going to win the Cup this year just to screw Portland fans. That's the only reason I think they're going to win. That, that's it. I have, I have no other conclusion except for that. Yeah, that's about it. All right, and I have nothing, really. Um, well, actually, yeah, I have nothing. We gave our listeners enough. You got two interviews. You happy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got two. Yep. More, more experts, less us. That's perfect. Exactly right. All right, so let's wrap this one up. I know it's a very short third or fourth second, whatever this is, but whatever. We're getting out of here. Um, you can visit us, oncemetro.com slash Rant. Help us su- support the show by going to patreon.com slash Rant and a few bucks our way. You can email us redbullrant at gmail.com. You can call us at 973-348-5329 on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rant. On Twitter, at Red Bull Rant for the show, at Doc the Stooge for myself, at PMAC, DA2 for Pat, at The Truman for Truman. Subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Last words about 2016, presumably, unless there's some really big news. Last words on 2016 before we get out of here. Well, don't bother calling us because we're probably not going to get it for like another month and a half, so uh, don't call just send us uh, send us lots of tweets tweet us up we'll probably get uh, back to you at some point uh, 2016 thought it was a great year that uh, ended suckily but overall it's a f- it was another uh, fun year of, of Red Bull soccer it really was it was, uh, it was definitely a good year um, a lot of fun games to watch um, now send us some Patreon money yeah more more <laughs> more money more Patreon money uh, I guess I don't know. I mean, this has been a weird two years. Oh, no, it's not two years. Um, four years now. I think it's four or five years. I think 2012 is when we first started this. And I think so. I guess I say thank you guys for allowing us to at least come into your your headphones, allowing us to talk about the Red Bulls, a team that we all love as much as they set out to destroy us at certain times with their performance on the field. But we love them nonetheless. So thank you guys once again for tuning in to another year of the Red Bull Rant. We'll be back next year starting probably around the draft and then of course with the CCL Cup, or sorry, CCL uh, starting back up in February. Uh, So for Pat Truman and myself, this has been episode number 209 and this has been Red Bull Rant 2016. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next year. Merry Christmas. uh, Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Bye. Later.